Hey, what's up? It's Mai Yang from Mix in the Dark. Happy National Tell a Story Day. I did not know about this day until I started to tell stories. Um, and so we might be in the same boat. I want to mention a short story from a listener before we get started. I think it's important to make sure all voices that want to be heard are being heard. She writes, I grew up in a domestic violence home. My dad always beat my mom. I remember as a young child, he would drag her by the hair across the living room. I remember another time she locked herself and I in the garage while my siblings locked themselves in the bedroom. My dad plays the victim, is manipulative, and has patriarchal views. I still remember my parents arguing and this one time he told her in English, you better shut your mouth or I'll punch you in the mouth. There was another day where my nieces were sleeping over and he started beating on my mom, which woke everyone up. After the event, he had the audacity to get upset that I called my brother to come over and that the kids were picked up by my sister. He has also cheated on my mom and blamed her for it. My mom's immediate family is back in Laos. She often turns to his siblings for help and support, but the Hmong culture normalizes domestic violence, thus she never got the support that she sought out. He stopped when my siblings and I became adults. Now he has terminal diagnosis and receives maintenance treatment until it's time for hospice. My mother takes care of him because she has to, not because she wants to. Even now that he's terminal, he is still so prideful and sometimes speak down on her. I don't often help for many reasons, and maybe this is his karma, a slow suffering. Again, thank you as always for sending me your personal stories. We often forget that domestic violence can affect people around us, especially kids. And although hard to do, I do hope that your family finds some peace in your hearts. As we are wrapping up the month with our domestic violence series, I want you to know that I am here to listen and I am here as your ally. The stories that people tell me don't always have to be published. I'm not fishing for stories to tell that are not meant to be told. And with that said, there is a known story in the Hmong community that has affected a lot of us in different ways. This story, I believe, needs to be told. My sister and I co-wrote this story based on research that we found. If you are interested in reading the articles, they are linked in the description. There are so many different opinions and views involved with the story that it was extremely hard to capture just the facts. This story is about Kua Her. This case rattled the community of St. Paul, Minnesota, particularly the Hmong community. I am referring to the 1998 case of Kua Her, who made a 911 phone call reporting that she had killed her six children. Police officers and paramedics rushed to the McDonough Home Project apartment on the night of September 3rd and found the bodies of three girls and three boys ages 5 to 11 scattered throughout the split-level apartment. The mother, Kuahar, was lying inside the doorway wearing a fancy red dress. The body of one of the children was behind her, still warm to the touch. Kua was put in custody at Regent's Hospital. The medical examiner's office said that the children had been strangled. 
In the call to 911, Ko had spoken about suicide, but it was unclear whether she had harmed herself. Later in a court testimony, Ko pled guilty to six counts of intentional second-degree murder for the killing of her children. Ko's attorney, Bruce Wenger, believed that she was suffering from mental illness at the time. He stated she didn't think anything wrong of what she did that day to her children. In Ko's mind, she did it out of love for her six children. She had already decided that she was going to take her own life and was concerned about who was going to care for them. How can a woman kill her own children was the burning question as the community grappled to understand and process the events that unfolded. Well, according to a Washington Post article, in the McDonough Homes Public Housing Project, the troubles of Kohar's family were an open secret. As a child, Kohar was raped at the age of 12 in the refugee camps and eventually married her husband Tu Hang at the age of just 13 years old. Tu was five years older than her. They had an arranged marriage in a refugee camp in Thailand. They started having children right away that year in 1987. One after another, they had six in total. They relocated to St. Paul, Minnesota, where they seemed happy. Neighbors reported seeing both Tu and Kua walking through the neighborhood hand in hand. However, the marriage started to deteriorate. The family was suffering financially and faced eviction from their two-story townhouse in St. Paul's McDonough Homes housing project. Fights became frequent, public and violent, spilling into the streets. The police had been called to the apartment at least 15 times in the last 18 months for domestic turbulence prior to the tragedy on that night. And to put into perspective how extreme these fights were, in April of the year before, police said that Kua pointed a shotgun at her husband during an argument. Over what exactly, I am not sure, but she only dropped the weapon after a family friend begged her to do so. In July of 89, according to the police and neighbors, Kua stole her husband's immigration permit and social security card and left for Detroit with a boyfriend. And then a month later, Kua returned and successfully petitioned the court for a protective custody order against her husband. Despite the violent episodes, child welfare officials never received a report that the children were in any danger. Through an interpreter, Tu told the Minneapolis Star Tribune that he moved out of the family's home and had taken up with a girlfriend, and that the couple was in the process of getting a divorce. As for the children, they became known to the St. Paul police, especially the older child who became a spokesperson for the rest of the children. Neighbors noted that the children hardly ever left the apartment to play, and when they did, they looked dirty and uncared for. That tragic day in September, they were doing just that when their mother called them. She called them one by one from oldest to youngest. Kua, 11. Samson, 9. Nali, 8. Tang Lung, 7. A, 6. And Tang Ki, 5. As each child came to her side, 
she strangled them with a piece of black cloth. Kwa then tied an electrical cord around her neck to a light fixture. She was on the second floor of her home. She walked out to her balcony and jumped off. The strangulation caused her to become unconscious. At some point, the light fixture broke off and that threw her body to the ground. She regained consciousness and realized that she was on the ground with a broken back. She didn't know how to make a second attempt at taking her life. She didn't have a gun, she didn't have poison, and she was not physically able to make the same strangulation move because of her injuries. That's when Kua made the 911 call. She said, I killed the kids. I don't know why I killed the kids. Kua's case sparked conversation within her community about domestic violence and mental health issues within the Hmong community. Ong Zhang, a family member, visited Kua at the Shakopee prison. Ong mentions that Kua felt alone and powerless in her marriage. She read a statement from Kua her. She did say she loved her children. She wished she had the help she needed to be a good mother. She wished that more people would have been more aware of the mental health issues that she was going through. Eileen Her, executive director of the Hmong Elder Center in St. Paul, says she believed Kua Her was a victim of domestic and cultural violence. She was in a culture that accepted teen early childhood marriages and then having children. She was so young to have all that responsibility, so she was a victim. Kua Her took a plea bargain for a 50-year sentence. She will be eligible for release in 11 years when she is 58 years old. I can't say this enough that Mix in the Dark tells scary stories. But as a person who has survived an abusive relationship, I am going to be very honest with you that I can take ghosts, spirits, sounds at night, whatever. But when it comes to abuse, something physical, emotional, or mental that affects a real person, that to me counts as a true scary story. And remember, domestic violence does not discriminate. People of any age, race, gender, sexuality, religion, education level, or economic status can be a victim. Thank you for listening to Mix in the Dark. I'm your host, Ma Ying. Mix in the Dark podcast is available on Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, YouTube, and Facebook. If you have any stories that you would like to share, please send it to mixinthedark at gmail.com.